Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. social media as a whole, I think, is now even being taken as seriously as television and how radio was in the past because we're all at home. And I think the internet and social media is that equalizer, whether you're a celebrity or whether you're a content creator trying to grow your business and brand. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. One of the best parts about hosting this podcast is sitting back and learning from the experts in spaces that aren't my main area of expertise, especially when the topic is one that is so highly requested by you and so many others in the Gold Digger audience. My business has shifted a whole lot since it started. The influencer side of things used to be more of a prominent focus for me, but now as a mom with so much on my plate and wanting to give my energy to other passions within my business, I've stepped back from a lot of sponsored posts and influencer marketing. But I know it is still a huge area of interest for you, and rightfully so. The opportunity to monetize your platforms and work with your dream brands can be game-changing as a career shift. That's why when Maddie James reached out to share what she's been working on as an influencer educator, I jumped at the chance to host this conversation. Maddie James started her lifestyle blog as a passion project in 2010 so she could share about the things she loved in her own corner of the internet. She's since grown it into a multiple six-figure business, partnering with brands to create sponsored content that still feels on-brand and authentic. With all of that success, Maddie now teaches other women how to create profitable influencer businesses and pitch brands with confidence. Maddie is tuned into all the trends and nuances of the influencer industry, and she's on Gold Digger to serve up a masterclass in building a solid influencer business. Here she is, Maddie James. 
Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. For $50 off, visit linkedin.com slash gold digger. Primally Pure is my go-to natural non-toxic skincare and it's changed the game for my skin, not to mention I can actually pronounce the ingredients. For 10% off your Primally Pure order, go to jennacutcher.com slash skincare. Oh my goodness, Maddie, I am so excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. I'm so excited to talk about all of these things because here's the deal. You are an expert and you teach influencers how to do what you do. And one of the things I absolutely love about following you is your transparency with all the things influencers. So we'll dive into that. But first, I want to know all about the version of Maddie who started her blog over a decade ago and started on this path to becoming an influencer expert. I love your story. So I cannot wait to hear it. Yeah, she was so clueless. And I still <laughs> love her so much because really all she had was like a mustard seed of faith. She was just like, I think I can do this blogging thing. I think I can turn it into something. And I really just held on to that belief and I ran with it. You know, everyone thought I was crazy. I will give my husband some credit. He's always been supportive. Even if he doesn't see the full picture, he's always been really supportive. So I'm super thankful for that. But yeah, in you know 2009, I just got married. I won Miss Liberia USA because I'm Liberian American. And I was like, okay, I have a little bit more eyes on me. So let me go ahead and start this blog. I had been blogging maybe for about not even quite a year, but I had been blogging for right under a year. I was so, so very inconsistent and sporadic when it came to content. But then in that like, you know, 2009 to 2010 kind of transition, I bought my domain. And at the time it was mattyology.com. I just thought it was a cute little name. And I just talked about style and beauty. Those were the things I was really interested in. We didn't have any kids yet. So I really just kept it focused on that. And a lot of the blogs that I was consuming at that time focused on that as well. So I was really just trying little things here or there. Of course, at that time, to me, the big fashion blogs were based in New York and LA, and I was in Atlanta. So I was really just doing the best I can. And towards the end of 2010, which was like my, I count that as like my first official year of blogging, I actually joined this competition that was put on, I think it was Sunglass Hut, and they had a competition called Full-Time Fabulous. And they were going to, it was kind of like blogging idol. It was like blogging American Idol in my head. And basically they were, you know, they were going to have top 10 finalists. They were going to fly you out to New York, interview you. And the winner was going to win $100,000 and then be given like a $10,000 monthly shopping allowance. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'm down with that. And I became a top 10 finalist. I did not win. But the exposure that I got from that and just the experience taught me a lot. I really did learn a lot more about data and analytics, which I it was not something I had taken seriously or even really known a lot about beforehand. And it was really eye-opening. And I think like 2011 is really where I started to take myself a little bit more seriously because I was like, if this company can look at me and, and consider me top 10 out of all of these people that applied throughout the country, then I need to take myself a little bit more seriously. 
was not making any more than like, I think like 250 bucks, $500 here and there for like sponsored blog posts or sponsored tweets. I think Instagram in 2011 was like a year old. So, you know, just stayed the course, stayed consistent, even when I didn't know what I was going to do or what I was doing at all, which was most of the time. And then 2013, I think was that time where I started to pivot where like, the paid campaigns were a lot more consistent. And I really started considering leaving my nine to five. I was working for a home decor company. I was the showroom manager there. And I was like, you know what? I think I could possibly leave this job. I'm starting to make as much money as, you know, as they're paying me. So I was like, maybe I'll leave. Fear held me back. I got pregnant, had my first baby in 2014. And coincidentally, in 2015, I got let go and really did have to now put my words, the prayers I had been saying into action because I really did want to do this full time, but was still just kind of unsure. I was like, can I do this? And yeah, when you get fired, you really start to find out whether or not you can do it. And yeah, I hit the ground running. I was doing consistent brand partnerships. And I think the thing I learned very quickly is the difference between booked income and banked income. So I was booking great partnerships, but of course you don't get paid until like a net 30 or net 60 when it comes to a lot of these partnerships. So for me, I still had to justify my bills and my contribution to my household financially. And so I was like, well, what can I do? I didn't really sell anything, but people would ask me questions at this point in my career. They would ask me how I got started. How do I work with brands and all of that? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach a class. And I taught my first masterclass, I think in like August of 2015. And I just, I think it was the consistency course because people were just asking me like, how do you post consistently? And I think I charged 297, something like 197 or 297. And I was like, I just want to make 2,500 bucks. That's all. And I had a $6,000 launch and I was like, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't even understand what was happening. Like my body went hot. Like I was like preparing, like, I was like, what am I going to tell PayPal? Cause they're going to be like, where's all this money coming from? I was like, I thought I was like, they're going to think I'm doing something illegal. It was so hilarious. And it was like, PayPal was not worried about what I was doing. They're like, girl, congrats on your little $6,000. Keep it moving. Let us know if you need anything else. And so, yeah, that was it. And then after that, I was like, well, maybe I can do something monthly. I started this thing called Maddie Masterclass, where I would teach a specific thing for like 90 minutes live and I would charge $97. And again, just was aiming for like a couple of extra thousand dollars. Maybe I think my stretch goal was $3,000. My first Maddie Masterclass sold 110 seats. So it was like a almost an $11,000 launch. And that was wow. kind of like the model I used pretty much that first year I was full time to make sure I can maintain five figures. But pretty much since I've been full time outside of that first month since September of 2015, I've had five figure months since then. I just was like, whatever it takes, we're going to hit this and, and just kind of stayed the course. So incredible. I love so much of your story. I remember reading somewhere online, you were like, I was hoping to like sell 25 spots and I sold over a hundred <laughs> and just kind of seeing that proof of concept. I think a lot of times we doubt like, do I know enough to teach? Can I teach? Am I quote an expert in this? And I want to know like, how did you kind of shift from doing the work for yourself to teaching the work? Because I think that's a huge transition for people to take. 
Right, right. I think that I really do enjoy teaching. I I really do love helping people transform their life. And just, I really love making people believe in themselves. That is what I love to do. I love getting people excited about the power that they have within themselves. I think I'm really fortunate because I was able to see that within myself and now kind of transfer that kind of energy. It's always excited me. And I do love making, you know, all of the little like curriculum and collateral with like courses and stuff like little workbooks and different things like that. And I really did dive in head first, like learning about, you know, courses and online curriculum, because it is a different beast than creating lifestyle content. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make, if you are in a position where you are like an influencer first and you want to teach, I think people think like, I can approach this just like sponsored content. It's a completely different industry. It's a completely different beast. And I think obviously you can totally do it. I'm doing it, but you have to take that side of the business seriously as well. And I got to say from the very beginning, Jenna, I absolutely took it seriously because I wanted to be successful at it. And I knew that that was really what was like always getting me over that like four to five figure hump, right? It was like, okay, if I take this seriously, you know, write a sales page, learn how to convert, take email marketing seriously. All of that is different than making your Instagram and your YouTube pretty. It's a completely different kind of approach. And I really did just kind of slowly but surely navigate both sides. I bought courses on how to like create a lead magnet, how to be good at email marketing. And, you know, I'm fortunate because I'm really, really close with my sister. She's one of my best friends who's also an entrepreneur and a coach. And and so I think we got to bounce off ideas because we were both growing our businesses, you know, simultaneously and really got to learn from each other as well. So I, I've been really fortunate. I, I really am. It's not lost on me how incredibly fortunate I am. Mm, I love that. One of the things that I've been so curious about, and I think that you can answer this better than any person I know, is just what have the big shifts and like the evolution of the influencer space looked like this year? Because things have absolutely changed online. Absolutely. I think it was like in February or March. I got to find it and share it. I tweeted out that home and lifestyle content and the influencer marketing space is going to explode. And that's exactly what has happened in these last six months. You have had to pivot. No one's going to fashion week. Like, you know, it's a pandemic. Like no one's going to that. Everyone's at home. Everything is like sold out because everyone now has like found the space and time for these home projects. So even if you're into fashion, it's transforming your, your bedroom closet. It's organizing your pantry. It's finishing the basement. And so home and lifestyle content and really now sharing your life, the style of your life, you know, outside of travel, outside of like just fashion and beauty from like the outside, it now has become a lot more personal. I think people are looking to people who are helping them now. I think it's like slowed us all down. And so I think that's why that content is doing really well. And I do now think that coincidentally, you know, I think when I first started, I was like, oh, man, maybe I won't get as many partnerships because maybe budgets are cut. And it's actually the opposite. I think now brands, because they cannot have their live events, you know, they can't have presentation shows and different things like that. They have got to invest in the influencer, like they have the budget. And so I'm very encouraging to my students and people who want to be influencers. I'm like, ask for the money you want, because this is the time to do it. Because I think brands are really, truly realizing just how impactful and important that influencer marketing is. So it's been really exciting because I I feel like I've been hearing the story from a lot of my students where they're like, 
I just kind of got brave and asked for more money and I started to make more money. And, and it really is that difference. It's like starting to believe in yourself, knowing where your value is. And I think that a lot of people who were creating content at home and maybe thought that they should be more on the scene are realizing that they now have the power and the value that these brands are looking for. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. And I love actually the more personalized style of it. Like, Maddie, I can picture you standing in front of your beautiful mantle with a Tom Ford book behind you. (laughs) Like, I can picture you making coffee in your kitchen with the gold lights. Like, it's so cool because I think that it allows us to connect kind of on a more real level. And we aren't able to hide behind all of those shiny things like vacations Mm. or trips or conferences or whatever that is that gives us that opportunity to create content. I want to know one personal question, but it has been interesting for me as a photographer to just challenge myself to shoot more of those everyday moments for no excuse. Because I think when you produce content for a living, a lot of times you're thinking, I got to have the right clothes on or I've got to have makeup on. Have you noticed that shift as well? Absolutely. You know, I always tell people you have to humanize before you monetize. Like people connect with people. They don't care whether I got this from Target or Nordstrom or anything. They care that I'm a real person who says this made my life better. If you get it, it can make your life better too. That's what they care about. But yeah, I think people really are a lot more, maybe I don't want to say casual, but I think they're not like so attached to something being like so perfect anymore. Like I can now jump on an IG live and loungewear and, you know, know, makeup free and people will still take that IG live seriously if the value is there. And people also understand I didn't go anywhere today. So yeah, I'm not like completely dolled up, you know what I mean? So I do think like little things like IG lives and and just overall social media as a whole, I think is now even being taken as seriously as television and how radio was in the past because we're all at home. And I think the internet and social media is that equalizer, whether you're a celebrity or whether you're a content creator trying to grow your business and brand. Yes. Okay. You and I share the same philosophy that you are an influencer even before you're paid to ever post. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it looks like to practice how you play? Mm. My husband is the one who said this because he grew up playing sports. He just comes from a family of athletes and he's like, yeah, you practice how you play. Yeah, you got to practice how you play. And for me as an influencer, that means like your organic content needs to be as good as your sponsored content. The issue is, is that so many people when they're first starting out as a quote unquote influencer, I think if you've influenced one person, you are an influencer. But when you're starting to do that as a paid influencer or a professional influencer, you really, a lot of times the mistake people make in the beginning is like, oh, I'm going to show up when somebody pays me for it. And it's like, you've got to show up before that because you don't want to ask a brand to cut you a check for something that they haven't seen like on your, you know, on your Instagram feed or on your blog or even on your podcast or YouTube channel. They want to know that you're able to do that well. And they also want to know that you just have a certain standard, whether your content is attached to a check or not. And so that's the same thing. You don't practice, you know, as an athlete, you don't practice just to kind of be like, okay, I'll show up all the way when it's the game time. You know, like I always think about, you know, my favorite athletes. I'm like, 
LeBron does not win rings because he's like randomly like kicking back and like, you know, just like super chill during <laughs> practice. I can imagine he's going just as hard as he did in the finals when he's practicing. Yeah. And that's the same thing. You've got to really, really lean into those days where you're shooting, your brand's not attached to it. Maybe you're shooting by yourself. It's just your, your remote control, your tripod and your camera. You've got to really, really lean into that because then when it's time for you to show up because a brand is like, here's $20,000 for you to film a video for, you know, our brand, you now know how to show up. This is not going to be an out of the blue experience because it's already a standard you set for yourself as a content creator. Yes. Yes. And one of the things that I love about how you do your work is it's so integrated into your life. It's hard to even pick out which posts are paid posts and which posts are organic posts. And I think that that is like a true science that you have absolutely nailed. Oh, thank you. That's probably like one of the biggest compliments you can give me as a content creator, because I don't ever want anything to feel like I don't want it to ever feel like not me. I think that's the yeah. thing that I work hardest at. You know, at the end of the day, when you're an influencer, the language you speak is through your content. That's really, it's your digital voice, right? So when somebody looks at my feed, if they go to my blog, when they go to my website, what they see is like the first impression I'm going to make on them. So yeah. I don't want it to feel like, I just don't want it to feel gross. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, like I think sometimes like people are always like, ah, oh, you know, when it comes to sales, sales is gross because, you know, people are not being authentic or honest and transparent. And it's like, no, yes, I'm selling you something. You know what I mean? Because even when I'm doing my non-sponsored organic content, at the end of the day, I'm telling you my story. I want you to buy into my story and connect with me and press that follow button. And so it's, yep. it's pretty much that same kind of vibe and energy. Even when I am doing a sponsored post, I actually like this product, even though I'm getting paid for it. I don't do anything that's sponsored that doesn't actually connect with one, my actual story and my life and my family. And then two, I certainly would not, you know, tell it to my audience if I don't believe that they will believe in it as well. Yes. Okay. The number one question that I get a lot is when can I start pitching brands for sponsored content? And I want to know, like, in your opinion, is there a threshold or a rule for this? Because I'm listening to everything you say. And I know there's somebody being like, well, I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers <laughs> like Maddie does. So what does this look like for somebody that wants to begin? This is also a question I get a lot. And I always say the rule is at least a thousand followers on one platform. I think the platform, the go-to platform right now is Instagram. So I always tell people at least have a thousand followers. The reason why I say this Obviously, if you have 280 followers, you can start pitching brands whenever you want. You know what I mean? There is not, you yep. know, there's no official rule, quote unquote. The reason why I say a thousand followers is because a thousand followers means you've done something consistently enough, you know, to get to that place. You know what I mean? There's an amount of effort that you have to put in for people to continue to, you know, click that follow button. To yep. me, if you're able to get to that thousand follower mark, to me, that means now you have the work ethic, if we're being completely transparent, to now yeah. reach out to a brand and say, I will actually, you know, take you seriously and do work for this, you know, appropriate rate or even free product. You know, I think when you get to that thousand follower mark, you know, it can vary. If you're extremely good at sales, you can definitely leverage, you know, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, even, you know, a thousand dollar kind of partnership. But in a lot of those instances, you start to get opportunities where you get, you know, free 
free access to places, free product. And I think those are also really great and golden opportunities to, again, practice how you play. How do you create really great content from this free piece of, you know, from this free product that you got from a brand? How do you elevate it and make it awesome? So when the opportunity does present itself to get paid, you will then arrive and step up to the plate. But yeah, I think a thousand followers is a good, nice, you know, mark. And also I think about if I was a brand, right? If someone came to me with 280 followers, maybe they were super inconsistent, or maybe somebody who had a thousand followers and who was noticeably more consistent, who would I want to work with? And naturally, you're going to lean towards the person who is one more consistent. And again, that thousand to me, that thousand number, it just validates you automatically, right? A thousand just sounds better than 375. Does that mean that either one of those content creators is less than or one is better than the other? No. But I think we also have to be realistic when it comes to business. Labels do matter to an extent. And I think you end up being a lot more successful when you can say, hey, I have at least a thousand, fifteen hundred followers and I want to you know, do business together. Oh, I think the whole audience just took a collective sigh of relief. <laughs> like she's not saying we have to have a hundred thousand followers. And it's so funny because as you were speaking, I literally was remembering back in the day, anytime I would go shopping, I would just share whatever it was that I purchased, like full price. Mm. Like I'd be like, oh my gosh, I got this new thermal at Target, or I got uh-huh. these sheets from West Elm. And I would always take the brands. And I feel like if you want to become an influencer, you almost have to like identify yourself as one and believe that you have influence before any brand pays you. And it was really good practice. And it also allowed me to create content for brands long before we ever had a partnership or something like that. And so I just think what you just said is such permission to Mm. almost start identifying yourself as an influencer, which is so great. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Again, you got to practice how you play. You know what I mean? Like you're a basketball player, you know, you're an athlete, you know, even when you're in practice. So it's the same thing. Like just because a brand hasn't cut you a check doesn't mean you're not an influencer yet. Doesn't mean that your content isn't valuable. So it's really that mindset and really, you know, navigating at, you know, in your content as an influencer. So once you do get paid, you're just continuing and staying on the course. Yes. Tell me if this is true for you. Do you believe natural skincare just won't work as well? I used to believe that myth too before I switched my entire skincare routine to Primally Pure. I started to explore the non-toxic line after my miscarriages because I learned that my skin was absorbing everything that I put on it and it was impacting my body on the inside too. Well, I became obsessed with reading labels and consider me a completely converted skeptic and Primally Pure's number one fangirl. I've been using the Primally Pure Clarifying Serum just five to 10 drops a day for a few months and my skin is breaking out less, it's brighter, and it's helping me keep inflammation down. And Primally Pure Cleansing Oil absolutely changed my skin in the way that I thought about skincare in general. Like, it felt counterproductive to cleanse with oil, right? Well, wrong. It actually feels like magic, but really it's non-toxic skincare that not only does the job, it makes my evenings feel like a little spa getaway. For 10% off your order, head to primallypeer.com and use the code JK10. That's the code JK10 at primallypeer.com. And if you want to learn more about my favorites and how I use them, head to jennacutcher.com slash skincare. 
In a year and a holiday season different than any other before, I know we still have a lot to be thankful for. For me, it's my family, my friends, and my team, which has grown to be so much more than just the people who work for me. I am so thankful that LinkedIn Jobs brought so many of these women to me and that they've put their heart and talents into growing this business alongside of me through every season, rain or shine. With the busy season upon us and as your small business is ramping up for the holidays, you might be searching for the right people for your team. So when you're ready to make that hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person for your business fast. Getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you quickly find qualified individuals. Post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll swiftly get your role in front of more qualified job seekers. Now you can manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. When your business is ready to make that next hire or even your first hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash gold digger. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. One of the things that I love that you teach, I remember watching an IG live that you did all about pitching. What do you think every pitch to a potential sponsor should include? I think you are so good at this. Oh, thanks. <laughs> pitching is so nerve wracking and people are always like, what am I doing? And and even at this level for me, you know, as, as many partnerships as I've done, it's always just very intense. I think what we always have to do, whether it's an incoming pitch, meaning the, the brand pitched you or an outgoing pitch, you're pitching the brand. I think you've always got to personalize it. If you can have some kind of name, always use a name. I think, again, yeah. it's humanizing the situation. You've got to humanize before you monetize. Not only in content, but in correspondence as well. So I think yeah. if you can do that, that's certainly going to help you. Then I think you, I, I always tell people, you got to be specific. This is not the time to be vague. Vague ask will get you vague results. So I'm always like, be clear. You know, at the end of the day, a brand expects you to, you know, ask for something. So just be clear on whatever that ask is. So I don't think this is a time to now start throwing out, you know, you know, dollar amounts of like how much you're looking to make and all of that. But I think you want to be specific enough because you want to make sure that the brand is even interested in collaborating together. So, you know, if you're like, hey, you know, reaching out, hey, West Elm, you know, it's Maddie James from MaddieJames.com. Really love to collaborate with you guys on a, you know, a holiday focused YouTube video. Would love to know if this is something that you guys are interested in. Let me know. And I think it's it's about being specific, but also being concise. This is not the time to tell West Elm that the first time you got sheets was when your uncle bought you something for Christmas and all of that. This is a great story. That's something for your audience. That is not something yes. for the brand at this particular time. You know, I think if you're able to jump on the phone with the brand and actually have a very, you know, organic exchange, you can mention that. But when it comes to pitches, let's leave the life stories out, you know, and really kind of get to the point. So I always say you want to definitely personalize, use somebody's name, make sure it's spelled correctly. Same thing with the brand. And if you're mentioning a product or a collection, make sure those things are spelled right and correctly. Make sure you are absolutely doing your research. I don't care if that pitch is only two sentences long. Make sure everything in that pitch is polished and spelled correctly. Because if you can't spell their name correctly, if you can't spell their product name correctly, what is going to give them the confidence that you would be able to execute a brand campaign and a partnership correctly as well? 
So you want to make sure that's done. You want to be specific with the ask. I'm looking to do this kind of scope of work with you, right? Would love to partner with you on a YouTube video, an IGTV series, an IG story, you know, two to three frames of an IG story, whatever it is, be specific. Is this something you guys, you know, do? Are you guys interested? Would love to elaborate more if you're interested, let me know. And I think just, again, being concise, leaving the conversation open really does change the game. I think so many times people are so scared that they're not even leaving the conversation open. They're like, hi, I would love to know if you work with influencers. Talk to you later. Bye. And it's like, <laughs> they don't. I'm like, what, what is the brand supposed to do with that? You know? So you've got to be specific. You got to personalize. You got to be concise. You got to leave it open-ended. Is this something you're yeah. interested in? Is this something you guys do with influencers? Please let me know. And then, you know, wait for them to respond. I think follow-up is of course, one of those things a lot of people don't do brands get so many emails. I'm like, I'm not a brand and I get a lot of emails. So I can't imagine somebody who works with influencers on a you know consistent basis. Follow up yeah. in 72 hours, you don't hear from them, you know, and then follow up after that. If you don't hear, I think two to three times of a follow up is standard. And I think is reasonable, especially if in fact, you are serious about this partnership. Yes. Yes. So good. Okay. The next question that I know people are like yelling at their phone into the podcast app (laughs) is saying, okay, Maddie, how do you know what rates to quote sponsors at? Like, is there a rule of thumb to follow for that? How do you know how much to charge? I love this question. It's my favorite thing because it's it's my favorite <laughs> it's thing. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite thing because I have blown people's, you know, literally blown their wigs back because they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could do that. So there's so many things on the internet. I want anything you've read on the internet about how much you should charge someone, I want you to just completely forget it. I'm going to tell you right now. I always tell people that one, there is no right or wrong number. So that's one, two, and three. The four, five, and six is, is that I always encourage people to ask for a 10% of what your Instagram following is, if your scope of work includes that. So for me, I have 100,000 followers, right? So that would be $10,000, right? That sounds crazy. But if someone is asking for an IG post, an IG, you know, a story with like two or three frames, including a swipe up, and maybe they want a blog post or whatnot, because that tends to be, you know, around the average or typical kind of partnership that brands ask for, I will pitch them the 10% of my following, which is $10,000. And the reason why I do that is because typically you will get the rate around four to 5% of your following, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why I tell you to ask for 10% is because that's your scary number. You always, 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 always want to ask for your scary number, which is usually anywhere between five to 15% more than what you actually want, because a brand will always negotiate you down. Well, always. I literally, in my 10-year career, I can probably count on my one hand anytime I've asked for my scary number and somebody's been like, yep, you can have that. You know, (laughs) it very seldom happens. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, again, if you're going to ask somebody for $10,000, they will probably, you know, counter you with like 6,500, 7,500. And if I really wanted $5,000, it still works out for me. And so this is why I always encourage people that I know 10% is crazy. I've done all of my research. There's nobody else really telling you to ask for that kind of money. I'm going to tell you that because I have had people who have literally less than like 15,000 followers come to me and be like, 
Maddie, they actually gave me like, you know, what I actually wanted. And I'm like, yeah. But the thing is, most people, I mean, it's probably like 2% of us actually asking for really obscene amounts of money and stuff like that. And again, a brand is usually not super thrown off by this because they know that, again, the nature of the business is to be like, you know what, this is actually what we were thinking. And this is also why so many people aren't good at pitching because they think that the pitching process is like you ask for a number and they say yes or no. And it's like, no, yes. there is going to no. be a back and forth. There is <laughs> so there's supposed much back to be. and forth. Yes. So, so much back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much oh. back and forth. And so, yeah, I always say, you know, I encourage people. I'm like, you know, if 10 is too high for you, at least ask for like seven to 8%. But I'm like, yeah. I think get really brave, ask for 10%. Yes. They'll probably negotiate down to like that five or 6%. And most of us want the 5% anyway. Like, you know, yes. when I pitch a brand, I usually, want like the five percent but I'm like let me throw out the ten percent number and see what they give me I love this and you know what this is applicable to any any sort of business that you might run I remember as a wedding photographer we created this like deluxe package that was so expensive that we were like no one will ever choose this <laughs> but then they're gonna think that they're getting a deal when they choose the one that we actually want them to choose and right. it was funny because I remember the first time somebody did book the deluxe package we were like wait a second <laughs> what but at the same point too brands when you you quote them at say 10,000 and they get you down to quote 6,500, they think they just got a great deal as well. And it becomes this winning game for everyone, which is so awesome. Oh yeah. No, all the time. I mean, literally in my course, we literally have a module on pricing and I, you know, walk everybody through how to do this. You know what I mean? I'm like, if you really want $5,000, just take a deep breath and ask for 8,500, ask for 9,000. You know what I mean? Worst case scenario is like, they end up giving you like 6,000, which ends up being a thousand more than you actually wanted. And so, and then best case scenario, they give you $8,500, right? So then you've like really come up. And so I think it's, and trust me, I still have those moments where, you know, anytime a brand tells you yes too quick, you probably could have asked for more. And I still have those moments where I'm like, okay, that scary number maybe wasn't scary enough. Maybe I should have asked for a little (laughs) bit more. You're like, oh man, I could have gotten a little bit more, but that's just the nature of the business. You learn from that and you're like, you know, so I, I always encourage people like, don't get discouraged. If you feel like you, you know, you could have asked more, but you got scared or anything like that. That's part of the whole thing of experience. This is why you keep going. So the next time you're more brave, you're a little bit more clear on your ask. And also too, the reason why I tell people to ask for 10% is because also Typically, when we're asking for that 5%, whatever that number is, we're typically charging somebody solely for the content. Once you start to mm-hmm. add things in there, like whitelisting, exclusivity, you know, you yep. know, all of those things, then it starts to kind of add up. And I've been in a position where I'm like, man, I gave somebody a year license to my content and I didn't charge them extra right. for it. So we also have to keep those things in mind. It's not just solely about the content, but then again, what is the access and the usage that this brand has to their content to make their brand look better, even after that partnership ends with you and them. Yeah, I think that's so important. And one of the things I also, I've heard you talk about, and I love talking about it too, is you want to get the brand results. Like if you are a true influencer, you don't want to just take the money and run. You want to get results so that they keep coming back. And a lot of that is knowing your audience, knowing what is going to convert, knowing what they trust you to talk about and keeping things on brand. And I think a lot of influencers kind of 
get veered off course by taking offers that are out of alignment. Can you talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. that? Yes. This is why, you know, we, and I know I've said it again, but I'm going to sound like a broken record. This is why you practice like you play, because at the end of the day, if you can prove that your content typically performs for this, now you can't promise or guarantee like, yes, I'm going to have 5% engagement on this. You know what I mean? But now you can kind of say, Hey, it's likely that I'm going to have anywhere between three to 4%, you know, engagement on this and stuff like that, because you practice how you play. You're able to show up, you know, what performs well with your audience because you post consistently. This is why I drive consistency into my followers' brains, whether you ask me or not, because at the end of the day, you want to have that proof. You want to show them like, hey, this is what works with my audience. Because what also happens is the brand will be like, hey, we want you to say it like this. And it's like, no, 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 no. The reason why you're hiring me and part of my race is because you trust that I know how my audience speaks. You know, this is why I encourage people in your rate sheet. You want to screenshot the things that have done well. You know what I mean? So if you are a mommy blogger and you tend to talk about, you know, meals and, you know, and, and different tech tools for kids and stuff like that, screenshot and highlight the organic content that has done really well. Highlight, you know, comments that people have had and put that in your press kit because then when a, a brand says, says, what is the concept? What are you going to say to them? Then you can, you can revert back to your highlight. Like this does really well with my audience, as you guys saw in my press kit. So this is the concept that I was thinking of. And this now again, puts more confidence in the brand and it keeps you in complete alignment with what your brand as an influencer is. And in fact, serves not only the brand, but the audience as well. The last thing I want to do is say something that is a complete disconnect with my audience for the sake of a check. One, the audience can see right through it because people are extremely smart. They will definitely notice the difference. And the whole point of a brand hiring you is because you know how to speak to your audience. No one knows how to speak to my audience, you know, like I do. And so that's why that's really important. This is why the, the organic content being done consistently is really important. Understanding your data and your insights, screenshotting the highlights, things that have been done well and testing it out again. I think we don't talk a lot about testing in the influencer world. I think we talk a lot about it in the business world, like, you know, you know, AB testing with like emails and different things like that. You need to be doing that with the type of post you do. So at the end of the day, when a brand hires you, you're like, I've tested this out. And this is what performs well when I talk about this topic with my audience. Mm, That is so good. Speaking of what does well, tell me, like, are there any certain trends? Is there anything that is working really well in the influencer space right now? Well, of course, video is still king. People still yes. love video. And I think, of course, now, like with the, you know, the short form video, you know, if you can really yeah. like drive a point home or really highlight a product or a service and that I think Reels is doing very, very well right now. But of course, long form video, whether it's IGTV or YouTube is still also really good. People are loving carousel posts right now. They just, I don't know what it is. I, and it's funny because I'm like, 2020 is such an odd year. I'm like, oh, okay. I think like two years ago, if you were like, you know what, I'm going to do a completely text post and it's going to be carousel. Everyone yes. who was like a content expert would have been like, okay, good luck with that. No, no. Your brand on fire. And yeah. literally for the last three months, it's been my most engaged post without question. My, not only my most engaged, my most shared and the post yeah. that get me the most new follows. It's yeah. crazy. 
it's it's wild to me, you know? And I'm talking about with anything. You could be talking yeah. about what to feed your toddler, how to pitch brands, how to organize your closet. People are just, I think we're in this new season and chapter of Instagram where people want not only their lifestyle content, but also their info content from there as well. Yes. So I think that's yes. doing really well. I think IG Lives has now taken a new kind of, I think it's kind of like the rebirth of IG Live. I think it was like something that maybe like only some people were really into if they were your super fans. And I feel like yeah. now, you know, if you share someone's live and it's a topic, you know, that you're talking about that interests them there, even if they don't follow you, if they see it from somebody sharing it on, you know, a story, they'll click in and kind of tune in live, you know? So I think IG Live is also really big. Coincidentally too, blog posts are back at it. People still yes. like long form blog posts. So blogging is not dead. I get that question all the time. Is it too late Same. for me to start a blog? You know what I mean? I'm a mom. Is anybody going to read a blog? I'm in my forties. I'm this, I'm that. Doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you're willing to show up on your blog consistently and provide value for your audience, not only is it going to serve your audience well, and they're going to show up and actually read it. I am leveraging blog posts almost in every, at least definitely in every three partnerships that I have going on, one of them is including a sponsored blog post without question, without question. The reason why is because an Instagram in-feed post, the lifespan on that, even if it's fantastic and it goes viral, is 48 hours max. On average, about 24 hours, but it's 48 hours, like even on the like really, really, really high end. A blog post if you use the right SEO, if it's, you know, especially if you include inbound and outbound links and stuff like that, the lifespan on that could be anywhere between six months to a year, if not longer. So a brand is going to pay for that. You know what I mean? Just because the longevity and the lifespan of that is a lot longer. So blog posts still matter. They're still, you know, people are still getting money for blog posts. And I think that's something to consider as well. And then of course, last but not least, and you know, this podcasts, podcasts are like, I I can't even, blowing up is (laughs) an understatement. Podcasts are huge. They're massive. People are loving them. They want them more and more. And I think it's really great. I think it is that toss up between both short and long form. And I know we were talking about this beforehand, but if you know how to give like short, good nuggets on a really, really specific topic, like cooking vegan for your kids, this is a really great time to jump into that. But also too, if you have access to people and you want to interview and get stories told about, you know, people in a certain industry, I think this is a really great time to have an interview type show as well. You can do a mix of both, but podcasts aren't going anywhere and they're becoming more and more valuable and brands are absolutely willing to cut lucrative checks for them. Yes. I think the best thing about the way that you teach is that you give people the permission to show up on the platforms that feel easy to them and that excite them. And so it's like, it's not about doing all of the things. It's about doing the ones that you can do consistently. And I think that that is the education that people need these days. You don't need to wear all the hats and do all the things. You got to find the areas that you shine in and just go big on those. And that's what's so fun to watch you because you do that so well. Oh, thanks, Jenna. Yeah, I, I really, really hope that like whether somebody takes my course, whether they've you know found me on IG Live or anything like that, I really want to give people permission to operate in their zone of genius in their content. Nice. You know, so yep. if you're just really good at reels, go kill that. There is no yeah. reason for you to be on YouTube. There's no reason for you to start a blog or anything like that. But if blogging is your thing and you don't see a lot of people doing it, it doesn't matter. If that's what you do well and you know how to add value to that and then articulate that to a brand 
brand and leverage that value, that's great too. I don't think it's about doing everything. And I don't even think it's about doing what's on trend. It's about doing what you do well so you can then justify why you're asking for what you want. So good. Maddie, where can everybody connect with you, follow you, learn more about your program, all the things? So everyone can check me out on my site over at maddiejames.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-E-J-A-M-E-S. And you can follow me on all social from Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, at the Maddie James. And yeah, I'm really excited. The course is going to be coming out really soon. So I think think it's just really going to blow people away because I really want people to feel like they have the power to pitch brands, whether they have 2,500 followers and they live in Kansas or they have 250,000 followers and they live in Vegas. No matter where you live, no matter what industry or niche, you literally can pitch a brand and I'll have all that information over on my site. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was like a masterclass in and of itself, which is nothing less than I'd expect from you. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Wow, I did not want that episode to end. Maddie is such an incredible educator, and I swear she's just like this permission granter. So many people in the influencer space say, you know, you can become an influencer when you hit 10,000 followers, but how do you even get from A to B? She is an amazing person to watch and follow and learn from. So I highly encourage you to hop on over onto all the platforms and follow her because it's like getting micro doses of her masterclass and her knowledge in the way that she shows up, in the way that she shares, and in the way that she does the work. I love learning from people who are in the work themselves because they understand it at a level that other people just cannot. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 